This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. I fucked you up. You did. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions actual champions, people. Champions. Eight teams ranked in the AP poll. Only second time that's ever happened for a power conference. Crazy stuff. Yeah, podcast of champions, conference of champions. We are ready, and we got to talk about what was a really exciting week. Sure, the games, but Dave and I's picks were very good against the spread. So make a lot of money, send your kids to college, whatever you got to do. Just listen to us because we know what we're talking about at least mm-hmm. for one week. We don't even got to have that many picks this week because there's you know pretty much a whole slate of FCS games. But this is our Monday recap show where we're going to talk all about what happened, some of the news and notes from around the conference. We'll recap all the games new power rankings, all that. If you have any questions, Pac-12podcast at gmail.com, or you can call or text us at 424-532-0678. You can tweet us at Pac-12podcast. The website is Pac-12podcast.com. And if you have that Apple podcasting app on your your iPhone there, like if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, thank you for that. You have that. Subscribe. They call it follow now. And uh, leave us a five-star rating. And then trash us in the review. We love those. And I don't know if we have any new ones, Dave. I don't know either because it's not loading. Oh, well, perfect. Yeah. I, I My preamble was like pretty long and you still. I know. it's. I think it might actually not be a problem with me. Oh, there it is. It opened. We have two new reviews. Oh, wow. Two okay. five-star reviews. One is from Shameless Dog. Five-star review. Persistence. After the 135th passive-aggressive call to action to the listeners for five-star reviews, I have finally caved. I stole my wife's iPad and hid in the dark recesses of my closet to frantically type this review in shame. No longer can I tell myself I only provided my first review due to the lure of a jockey gift card, which I was nominated as a winner but never received. Mm. Uh, I blame the short one for not checking the Gmail account. But alas, I give this podcast a second five-star review because sadly, and secretly, it's somehow my favorite podcast that comes out Thursday mornings or sometimes Tuesday, occasionally Monday when the tall one is on his yacht in the Catalina Islands. Prediction, two Pac-12 teams will make the CFP because that would be the most Pac-12 thing to do as the conference dissolves. Keep it mediocre. Very no, good I, review. I would be the one, yeah, the tall one would be the one um, that would send the cards. And I was on top of it. So if, if you send me the address, uh, I put it in the mail. Like, there's no one I missed. So 
Uh, my apologies for that, but maybe something happened. People like look for those jockey gift cards. In the what mail. you just said is, uh, I didn't fuck up. Sorry that you're bad at whatever it is that you screwed up, but it wasn't me. That was the gist of what you just said. It could said. have been I was nominated, but I never sent you the address. If Why I got apologize the ad- if all you're saying is I definitely didn't screw this up? I was on top of this. There's no my apologies then. It's just I didn't screw this up. You're bad. I'm not saying he's bad. You're saying he's bad. We can we can work something out too. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't, you know, oh, you're gonna reviews. work something out? Yeah. Well, off I, the record. Damn. I will try to like I don't know. We haven't talked to the jockey people since the conference is dissolving, but maybe they'll uh Provide another gift card. Who knows? All right. And then we've got another five-star review. Mom of three in Oregon. Just doing what I was told. After a while searching for a decent Pac-12 podcast, found this one a while ago. Finally decided to write a review, hoping the constant pestering will cease. <laughs> you guys really do good work, and I thoroughly enjoy the banter. Hope you beeves and cougs can uh, hope you beeves and cougs continue to be a part of the show in some way next year. Great stuff. Nice. I'm glad the pestering worked. If, if we're anything, we're pesterers. Persistent? Yeah. Persistent pesterers. I mean, why else would we still be doing the show if we weren't persistent? Yes. Yes. Uh, we're doing the show about a conference that's dying, but somehow thriving, like yeah. on death's door, knocking loudly, uh-huh. but thriving. Yeah. No, uh, it was the most predictable thing in the world was uh, <laughs> us, uh, was the Pac-12 um, uh, becoming ascendant in its final year of existence <laughs> while undergoing several insane lawsuits from various member parties of the league itself. Yeah, that's all kind of crazy. I don't know if we, we, we can kind of talk about that stuff first, I guess. Well, I already mentioned the AP poll. Um, so we'll just do that real quick. So uh, eight teams. First time it's ever happened in the Pac-12. And I guess it's only a second time ever, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, USC moves up one spot to five. Uh, they dropped, they went ahead of Ohio state, but Texas jumped ahead of them because they beat Alabama and Alabama dropped out. Washington stayed the same at number eight. And then knocking on the top 10, you got, uh, Utah and Oregon who both lost, um, both won close ones on the road, uh, at 12 and 13. Uh, the Beavs, uh, beat up on a mighty FCS team, but crushed them. And they are staying at number 16. Colorado beats a pretty bad Nebraska team and moves up four spots. People are on Coach Prime. They are at number 18. And then you have the Cougs, who get a big win against a ranked team at home against Wisconsin. Uh, They are number 23 in the poll. And then UCLA, 2-0, goes on the road and beats San Diego State. And they are now number 24. So eight freaking Pac-12 teams. Uh, in the top 25, no uh, others receiving votes. Like usually you'd get a couple of those. Everybody's in uh, by by virtue of winning all those games. And maybe Utah and Oregon are a little lucky, but they're still up there. They're knocking on the top of 10, you know, nearly the top 10. So pretty impressive from the Pac-12 in the final season. Yeah, and the the I think, I mean, we'll get into it in our preview show, but I think a very good chance that those eight teams remain ranked for at least another full cycle because uh, – We'll get into it in our preview show, but this is an assy week in uh, college football and the Pac-12 especially. I mean, it's assy week in college football and then Pac-12 too. Uh, I think what game day is at like Colorado, Colorado State, I believe. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And uh, like big noon kickoff is somewhere weird. Um, so yeah, it's not a, not a great slate of games, but it was an awesome slate this week. So our recaps, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but the preview show on Thursday, we'll see. But we'll still have our picks. 
let's look at the lawsuit that you had mentioned. Um, basically, Oregon State, Washington State. There's a meeting today that was going on this morning, and I didn't got. To, I think uh, John Canzano had like a photographer in there. There are people reporting on it. But basically, Oregon State, Washington State are suing the Pac-12 and uh, Commissioner George Klyovkov. There's only two members left. It's the Pac-2. When USC and UCLA uh, left, they were not part of the executive board anymore to make decisions. And now what Oregon State, Washington State are saying is, hey, don't let the teams, you know, in, in Colorado, when they left, they were the next one to leave. They were removed from the board. So now they want everyone else removed from the board that's gone, which is everybody else uh, but them. So, I mean, it, this makes sense to me. Like, you know, just let Oregon State, Washington State kind of decide the future of the conference. But I don't know if you have any thoughts on this or any, any other details you want to add. No, I, I agree. I think it makes total sense for any future decisions for the conference. The thing that you can't have is like, I don't know. And I don't know. Like, there might be like weird bylaws that protect against this already. But you can't have them being like, okay. And yeah, everyone else is disqualified from being in the Pac-12 title game. It's just us this year. Um, you know, stupid crap like that. But I imagine there's already protections against that. So why wouldn't they be the only decision makers on the future of the conference that they themselves are the only two remaining member institutions of? Like, it doesn't make any sense that everyone else would have decision making power over stuff that isn't going to impact them. Yeah, so like if you said, okay, well, the conference championship game this year is Washington State, Oregon State, then like, okay, like I get it, don't do that. Um, but outside of that, like, I think this is one way. You know, everyone's leaving. They went to greener pastures, and there should be you know significant assets that Washington State and Oregon State can utilize. And I get it that they want to know what that is right away. Uh, we had talked. I think we mentioned it last week. Wilner had reported that. They had made inquiries to the Pac-12 about the financial, you know, what was, hey, basically, what do we got in the bank account? And didn't get any answers. So now the hearing's going on today. I haven't heard anything recently in the last, you know, I've been doing crap. But um, I know that was earlier this morning. So we'll kind of see where that all so stands. So Wilner but. reported that uh, the judge ruled in favor of Washington State and Oregon State on the restraining order. Oh, so okay. um, that will preclude a meeting before they can determine who's on the board. So okay. they can't just hold the meeting. They can't hold a meeting with all the people that are leaving. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think the, the precedent is there where it's like, hey, USC and UCLA, you left. You're not on the board anymore. Colorado, you left. And I think that was, it might have been Pete Thamel that reported that this morning. He said that also happened with Colorado. But then everyone else leaves. Now, you can't just say, well, that was only because they were the first people to leave. And now the people that were that stayed longer, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I, you know, I would like to see some sort of rebirth. Uh, it, it makes sense. And it, it would be kind of funny if Oregon state, Washington state have these resources from the PAC 12, maybe something with PAC 12 network, you know, the, the NCAA units, the, the emergency fund, they get rid of Klayoff cough. They sort of run it themselves. Maybe they add a couple teams. They do like a schedule, um, agreement with the Mountain West instead of joining the Mountain West. The Mountain West would love them to join, but I don't know if you would want to leave the kind of assets that are left behind. Maybe they can do some sort of merger where they, you know, absorb some of the assets where they, they give some money to the Mountain West, but they keep most of it for themselves. I don't know, but um, I'm glad that they're on some sort of path to try to make this right. Cause it's, uh, you know, they're both undefeated right now and they don't even have a home next year. So that that's just kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I hope they both uh, continue to uh, crush the rest of the league. 
Yeah, we'll see. Um, a couple, you know, they're looking really good right now. Uh, we we did do really well on our picks, speaking of crushing, seven and three. And I want to thank my bookie because did all my bets through my bookie. Boom. Uh, had a really nice week. It was great. Football is back. As you know, it's winning season in my bookie. Dave and I are actually tied in the picks, but certainly up. Uh, you know, we were texting back and forth at different parlays and stuff we had. But I bet every pick that we do on the show, I do on my bookie. So I will be betting along with what I'm saying. So if we're doing crappy, then you'll know. But doing well, that's great. But if you want to bet on the NFL, college football, the brand new cash out system gives you options to bet and win all season long. So the first two legs of your parlay hit, you can cash out early. And uh, I know David did something like that recently. Um, we can talk about that. When we're doing the picks oh, yeah. and everything, but um, so you get a bigger payday. So if you don't feel great, or you know the game is getting late, and you want to just cash out and take some of the money, take your profit up front. You can do that. Uh, early cash outs are a tool that uh, you can control the action over at MyBookie. So if you want to get started, go to MyBookie.ag right now. You register for account for free, and when you make your first deposit, if you use the promo code PAC12, they're going to grab you a welcome bonus. Uh, it'll be on the house. So the promo code PAC12 to claim your deposit bonus and for a limited time. A free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. So you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. Beautiful read. Thanks. Top tier. It's way easier to do the reads when I win. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite as depressing. Yeah, so we're both 13 and 8 on the season, uh, which is, uh, you know, that's a little bit above 60%, which, hey. 7 and 3, and the first two ones we got wrong this week were like half point. And Super marginal. Point, like li literally with a point. Now, one we got way wrong, but... The other two were like with the th you know point or two, so that's uh, pretty. The encouraging. Utah one was really was really messed up because I bet it one way but picked it a different way on this stupid show because the line was like a point and a half different. I think I got it like Baylor plus nine, um, so I bet it that way. But then when it was Utah minus eight, I picked it the other way. Uh, I was really I, banking on that half point apparently. At my my betting on my bookie was seven and a half, so I missed it by a half a point on my bet. Yeah, well, so. we're dumb. Uh, that, that, well, we're not done. We did pretty good. Um, I mean, we're still dumb. Yeah. We're, we're sports betting. It's stupid. And uh, we both survived the survival pool picks. So I took Oregon State, cruised to a win. Dave took Colorado. They also cruised uh, as predicted to a win. Um, it was kind of close at start. The start, but yeah, how'd it finish? Over, yeah, it yeah. wasn't that good. Uh, so we had 355 entries. Thanks again to Matthew. Um, 277 of them survived. So. Of all the winners, most people picked Oregon State. Second most, UCLA and Colorado right there with them. We had a bunch of Washingtons. We had some USC's, a couple Utah's, Oregon's, and even a couple Washington States. Uh, they're playing chess, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, they truly are. You're playing a ranked team. Like, uh, that's pretty good. Um, week two, we had nine losers. Uh, four people picked Arizona State. Three people picked Cal against an SEC school. Crazy. Uh, one took Arizona and someone took Stanford. So that, they were really playing chess. Yeah, they were. I mean, or they were like, I don't, I don't have time for this. <laughs> like, I'll just pick Stanford. And if they win, then no one, uh, no one is ever going to catch me. Yeah. And we had a bunch of people not pick. So I tried to implore everyone, make sure you make your picks. If you make it in week one, you got to do it in week two. We had a bunch of people that didn't do week two. But we have 277 surviving out of the 355 that entered. And as you know, there's going to be some amazing, amazing prize that we don't even know what it is yet. Uh, maybe jockey. Maybe they're not doing it anymore. Maybe a know. hearty congratulations. It could be that. A pat on the back. Virtual. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So this week, we got to go over uh, the games. 
Mr. David David Woods did his power rankings again. I didn't quite agree, but I think, you know, I like what he's doing. We'll just kind of stick with that um, for right now and we'll, we'll roll it. I think, you know, we probably won't know a lot about this, but I think week four, when the, the conference game starts happening, we can uh, separate these out a little bit. Uh, but we're going to start off going recapping all the games. And our number 12 team, once again, is Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> yeah, ASU uh, fought competitively, uh, but ultimately lost at home 27-15 to Oklahoma State. I think we both had this one right. We predicted Oklahoma State would cover. We did, uh, yeah. It was a three-point spread. So, uh, My feeling watching this game is that it was two pretty bad teams going at it. Um, I think Oklahoma State's pretty bad. I think ASU, I mean, it's understandable. It's kind of a rebuilding sequence. And also, they were down some offensive linemen in this game. Um, it was fugly for long stretches. Uh, Jaden Rashad, I thought, actually played pretty well, um, given some of the issues. But in the second half, they couldn't get anything going offensively whatsoever. Um, and Oklahoma State was just kind of puttering around, not running away with it at any point. Like, they missed a field goal when they were up. I think it was 17-15. Missed a field goal, um, but ASU just couldn't ever capitalize. They couldn't ever put a scoring drive together in the second half. And I feel like if they – honestly, it would have just changed the momentum. If they had just been able to score one time in the second half, I think they could have won this game, like even though the final score ended up being 12 points different. Uh, like if it had been 22, you know, 17 or whatever it was at one point, I think they could have held on. But it was just – the offense couldn't do anything. I think it was a little demoralizing for the defense, and uh, ultimately they lost. But, I mean, if you're an ASU fan, I don't think you're expecting big things this year anyway because you already have the bull ban, um, and you're in a first year, kind of a year zero for Kenny Dillingham. So, you know, um, competitive in the first half and then kind of just lost it offensively. Plus, next year, Kenny Dillingham can rent a car on his own, so that'll true. be good. True, 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 um, true. And maybe he will, you know, get into therapy, be a little calmer, <laughs> um, a little less, uh, you know, uh, fired up and uh, ready to, you know, tear down buildings with his bare hands. Yeah, this was sort of close. And then not like David mentioned, not a really well-played game. I was watching this in the uh, press box uh, when USC and Stanford were playing on my iPad. And uh, kind of going back and forth, um, Oregon State, I mean, I'm sorry, Oregon State, Oklahoma State outscored ASU 17-0 in the second half. So they just, Sun Devils couldn't really do anything after that. There wasn't, you know, Jane Rashada turned the ball over once, right? Um, I believe it was he, he had the turnover there. Yeah, it was right after, um, I think it was right after Oklahoma State uh, scored their touchdown to go up 17-15, he had a pick. Yeah, uh, but outside of that, I mean, didn't force any turnovers. That's not good. Um, but didn't didn't turn the ball over. The problem is they sort of had four virtual turnovers by turnover on downs, going for it on fourth down five times and only converting one. Uh, 20% oh, I know that's not so great, David, if there's any like – you. I know you love going for fourth downs, but you got to get more than 20% of them. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of just bad luck. The thing I don't understand is why is Bo Baldwin calling plays for them? And not Kenny Dillingham, or yeah, why isn't it Denny Killingham's offense? Yeah, we were we were were you were hired for a reason, buddy. 
Well, what, what was it? He came to Cal, right? Like he came from like Eastern Washington. Bo Baldwin, originally. yeah, yeah. Bo Baldwin was most recently at Cal Poly for a few years, but before that, yeah, he was at Cal. And then he came in from like FCS, like Eastern Washington. Yeah, he was one of those Eastern Washington. But they teams. were scoring like seventy points a game. We're like, all right, yeah, this but is then be great. he wasn't good at Cal. No, that's what the problem is. Like, okay, you're scoring all these points, and he gets to Cal, and they suck. And you're like, all right, I don't know what he was doing at Cal Poly. Um, uh, losing a but, shitload of games. He was four and twenty-one. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like I, I, that that's one that I don't understand. Feels like a little bit of a misstep. Um, and I don't know what the full dynamics are of their offensive room, but um, just having a, a a another offensive coordinator. I mean, if I was Dillingham, and I know it's a lot when you're in your first year as the head coach, but I'd still be calling my own plays. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so the four four virtual turnovers to go along with the interception. Uh, Rashad also missed seven of his last nine throws. It just seemed like they wilted in the second half. Maybe part of the reason uh, it was 104 degrees, even though it was a late game. And uh, I think that was the third hottest home game on record. Cartman had like a great stat before the game that like ASU has never lost at home when it's over 105 degrees or whatever. Um, (laughs) It was all 104. So maybe that was it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was funny. Uh, yeah, so ASU takes the L there. Uh, we have uh, our conference matchup, uh, the one that we had. So our number we dropped USC to eleven. Let me uh, let joke. me look. No. Number eleven, we've got Stanford Cardinal. This is what I didn't agree with, but uh, I'm going to roll with David on this. Number two, USC Trojan. I love how you had to throw out your catnip for your friggin' uh, uscfootball.com. Yeah, we've got USC at number two, uh, but really just because they're scary and I don't want them to notice. <laughs> um, this was a, I mean, whew. so first, uh, we should throw out this. Stanford might actually be ass. Like, Hawaii Hawaii almost lost to Albany at home, so Stanford Ooh. might be ass. Yeah. Um, we, we we were thinking they were not as assy. And they may, in fact, we, be full ass. We both got this one wrong. We took Stanford plus 29, and that yeah. that was like the first 10 minutes. You're like, that ain't happening. But even if it was Stanford looking kind of good, uh, USC, I think, still would have squashed them like a bug in this one. Um, I mean, it was over, it was over, over, what, a, a couple minutes into the second quarter? Yeah, I would say that's probably... Um, Caleb Williams, was he done at halftime? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he had three touchdowns, almost 300 yards at halftime. Well, he technically did have 300 yards, and then they took like 20 yards away from him at halftime. I don't know why they did that. Yeah. He had more touchdowns than he had incompletions. He ran for a touchdown, too. I'm, I'm showing sorry, one. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. He had he had twice as many total touchdowns as he had incompletions. <laughs> uh, so he had two. He had four touchdowns. Um yeah, I mean, I, I really actually don't want to talk about this game too much because it's disgusting, uh, an absolutely disgusting display of football. Um, nothing you can take away from Stanford's offensive performance, including their solid rushing day, because so much of it came when the game was over, like over, over, dead over. Uh, but they did rush for 200 yards. Hey. Uh, but defensively, they could do literally nothing uh, to stop USC. Um, I think USC could have run the second string out there the entire game which they more or less did, and uh, they would have been uh, basically doing about the same thing. They could have scored 100 if they wanted to, and they didn't. That, yeah, that's It was the, 56-10 was the final score. They covered by uh, 18 points. Yeah, that was – it was not uh, – yeah, it was 49-3 at half. Yeah. So 
Uh, this is the most points USC's ever scored on Stanford. I think it's the third the third biggest margin of uh, whatever point margin for a half of football in Pac-12 history. Mm. Um, yeah, Miller Moss got, you know, he played the entire second half. It was Miller time. He's got like 300 yards passing. Like he's, that's the backup just coming in during garbage time. It's pretty crazy. No, it's like high school shit, right? Has, like it's like, it's like uh, Bishop Gorman's backup quarterback and what he can do in the second halves of games. Yeah. Uh, he has, he has two rushing touchdowns. Caleb Williams only has one. It's kind of funny. Miller uh, Moss is Dorian Thompson Robinson at, uh, Bishop Gorman's senior year it. right yeah. now. That's, that's so funny. Um, so yeah, the most points USC's ever scored on Stanford. Uh, it's it's a little nutty. I went off on a rant on our Tunnel Vision show last night because, you know, you not growing up here. My first game was when I came to uh, USC as a freshman in 1989, and the Weekenders and all that stuff. I was sad like after this because Stanford. You know, it's since since I was a freshman, I think USC's like up 1917. It was it was you know one game off. Like it's been back and forth. The tree, the 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 always way to make fun of, uh, you know USC with the band at halftime. This being the last one, like there were so many opportunities for the band to come out and talk about USC taking all the money, whatever it was. Like, it, and it there was no band, there was no tree, and I know the students aren't in session yet, but it just it just doesn't feel like Stanford even cared. You know, there wasn't any fans there from Stanford. A lot of USC people came. Um, they were feeling like the corners, like I hadn't seen before. But it was like USC was there and like Stanford wasn't. And yeah. it just it was just kind of a sad ending to USC's longest rival. They started this in 1905. Um, you know, it's so- Yeah, I'm sure the USC faithful are super sad about this. They're like <laughs> friggin' brokenhearted. You guys did it. You did it. You're the reason this is happening. You can't be sad about something when you are the reason it's happening. No, Stanford's doing this on their own. Like they're going to the ACC, but they still don't care. Like no, 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 no. The reason there won't be a continuation of this rivalry is because of something USC did. True, but it could have gone out like this was not a fitting end. Couldn't you have made it a better celebration for our going away? Maybe. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I want that gold watch. Where's my appreciation? But they. But do you do you get that though? Like. I think Cal's trying to care. Like, it just doesn't seem like Stanford's caring. I mean, Stanford, the, the problem, well, sure, the fan base. But the thing is that, that we've been joking about that fan base for 10 years. I mean, even when they were good. Here's the thing with Cal. When Cal is good, which hasn't happened often, but when they were good, suddenly there were like a million Cal fans. When Stanford was good, suddenly there were a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not like they came out and it was like, oh, man. That's where the Stanford Hive was. Yeah. No, it's still like the same hundred people, except they're actually like, you know, saying a couple of polite things on Twitter on top of going out and having wine and cheese at the tailgate. Yeah. If anyone in the chat knows why, what happened with the band, because if the band didn't show, it usually was something fun because they like, oh, they made fun of the Irish potato famine that killed thousands and thousands <laughs> of people. So we're not going to let you play the next game. Like when they didn't play, but here's the there thing. was like a great reason. Here's for the it. thing. As, as a half Irish person. Was it kind of funny? <laughs> right. But I, I'm not saying – I like the fact that they would get banned for doing stupid shit, and it was fun. Right. Like, I think they just aren't bothering anymore. Like, there was no reason why, – why aren't they here? Well, they they just didn't come. Like, it's just not a thing anymore. Right. And that's just that's just sad to me. I don't know, just the nostalgia of it. Right. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Let's go to our number 10 team. Arizona Wildcats. 
So this is the point at which things start to look a little unfair. Um, because for if you're a fan of these particular teams, because Arizona has played two games and one, they blew out Northern Arizona. And this one, they played a very competitive game on the road against an SEC team lost by seven in overtime. And they're the 10th best team, according to us in these power rankings. Yeah. That's more a reflection of what everyone else is doing above them. Because I think if you'd plugged this Arizona performance through two games into last year, they'd be like seventh right now. You're right. Um, anyway, Arizona lost on the road to Mississippi State. Probably the most incredible thing about this game is that... Uh, they covered? It, well, that they covered, <laughs> but also that they did it. I mean, they should have won. Yeah. They they turned the ball over on their first f- four possessions, three interceptions and a fumble. I think four in the first five drives or something. No, literally oh, their first four the first drives. Four? Okay. They fum- yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, you could just, just listen to what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I don't trust you. Yeah, I wouldn't. Um, they were matched a little bit. Mississippi State was also turning the ball over a ton, but um, they were actually scoring occasionally, and Arizona was like, no, 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 we're not doing that. They didn't score until their final drive before half, um, so it was really their defense that kept them in this game, which is an insane and stunning thing to say about Arizona. Jaden Delora was horrible uh, for most of this game. Uh, but at least for the first half and a good chunk of the second half, actually. He threw another interception late when they were down 24-21. They were on... Yeah, they just made it to the Mississippi State side of the field. Um, So just a lot of shooting themselves in the foot. But I think you can make a fair argument if you're an Arizona fan. Really competitive game. Jed Fish has the program in the right direction. Should have won that game. Um, The Jaden Delora roller coaster is not a fun ride to be on. No, four picks total. Like, you know, when you're on the road against an SEC school that, you know, Mississippi State might not be that bad. I think they're, I, th- I think they're going to be okay. Like, I think there'll be a p- decent team. Uh, but Arizona was there with all those turnovers. You still had an opportunity, but you can't, four picks, five total turnovers. Um, that was just bad. But, you know, Arizona's defense allowed 307 yards on the road. Uh, pretty good. Um, like you mentioned, the first four drives were, turnovers the over the overtime thing they get a negative play they're on defense first Arizona is get a negative play and then they gave up like that 29 yard like pitch and catch it was like oh like that was that was like okay you're gonna force a field goal and have an opportunity I think it completely changed the momentum when you give up you know you're it's you know you a four yard loss and you get a you know to get a 29 yard touchdown catch in overtime that means you went backwards first oh yeah which they did um, and then Delora, like they just look kind of crappy and, uh, it's fourth and 10. He, you know, typical drop back like 15 yards. So he's like 25 yards from the first down and then rolls to his left and is running and avoiding people and like gets all the way there and he just barely makes it and they call first down and then they review and it's like, no, he didn't make it. So he ran to, to run 24 and a half yards when you needed 25 uh, it just was, it was tough, you know, um, that was a tough one, but they should have been in that position to, to they, begin they with. should have won it in regulation. Yeah. They were, I, I would say like, again, you can't erase interceptions. You can't erase turnovers, but if you just like excise turnover luck from the game, I mean, look, th- there were some clear deficiencies like line play. There was a clear deficiency for Arizona in a lot of ways. But like, which one of these teams played a better game outside of those turnovers? It was Arizona, but. Man, those turnovers. Uh, 
Delora, it's it's a. I mean, I said it earlier, but it's a roller coaster ride. You never know which one you're going to get. Um, and in this one, they got mostly bad. Um, he had a couple of bright shining moments, but mostly bad. And I don't know. I mean, I I think Jed Fish's offense is clearly very good, and they need a more stable quarterback. Um, and so. I mean, that's got to be a priority for next year. We will see. And obviously, he's got the off-field things going on, too. I don't know if that's a distraction, but um, yeah. All right, moving on. So uh, three Pac-12 teams lost. Pac-12 went 7-3 and three and out of conference um, play. So we'll talk about the third one now. We got all the bets on the losing teams right. We both picked uh, uh, Oklahoma State to cover uh, as they were favorites. We both took... Arizona and the points against um, Mississippi State, and we did that. It was a nine-point spread. And this one, we both took Cal plus six and a half, and our number nine team is... California Golden Bears. This was disgusting, and I'm very sorry for Cal fans here because uh, they lost 14 to 10 to Auburn, so great. They covered. They absolutely 100% should have won this game. Yes. Uh, They missed three field goals. They had another field goal wiped off because of a hold, which you literally never see on field goals, except it was so blatant. Uh, The guy on the far right literally clotheslining the guy rushing around him didn't move his feet even a little bit. And it's like, yeah, that's going to get called, buddy. Um, And he had to hold him. Because the, 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 he would have blocked it. Oh, he absolutely <laughs> was going to get there. So you had to hold. Um, it almost never gets called, except when it's that blatant. You would just like him to shuffle his feet a little bit more, and then maybe they don't call it. But anyway, that wipes off a made field goal. Then you have the three misses. And on top of that, you have Jackson Sermon, or as I like to call him, Saxon German. Ah, uh, I like it. Fumble recovery that should have gone for a touchdown, but instead, I think it was whistled dead because there was a whistle. Um, he should have had a touchdown. Instead, that turned into a field goal. That is 16 points wiped off either through missed field goals, mistakes, or a missed call. They lost by four. Yeah. Um, now, all that said, is Cal's offense still maybe an abomination? Maybe. They were going against an SEC defense, and you know that does play a role. Uh, but Cal should have won this. Importantly for me, I had a money line parlay with this and the uh, Colorado minus three. I had won the first leg, yeah. and then at halftime of this one, it was 10 to 7 Cal, so I had some value in that bet, and I cashed that sucker out. Great move. Nice Incredible work. move on my part. Um, but I still wish this had gone the other way. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, there was – we got our first, like, long glimpse at Sam Jackson. Um I like the way he moved. He started this one, right? Yeah. Yeah, Because he was hurt. Well, he got hurt in the first. He played a lot in this one. Ben Finley, I think, may have. I I can't remember if he started or not. Um, But they both played. uh, Jackson played basically the entire second half and a good chunk of the first. Um, He threw a couple of picks, though. Um, I I like he moves around really, really well. He's got great mobility. Um, I I, I don't know if he's, you know, as sharp as they need throwing the ball. But um, I, I didn't think he was like necessarily the reason they lost. Uh, Jaden Ott got a little hurt in this one. Uh, he got flipped onto his back at one point. Looked like he might have banged his head. Um, so they were without him for, I think, a good chunk of the second half. Uh, but ultimately, the big takeaway is Cal should have won this. I don't know what that says about them because I really don't know how good Auburn is. But I still think of Cal in a different tier quality than Stanford. Like, I think they actually are improved and yeah. a little bit better. I would agree. Yeah. Um, but just just nothing going their way in this game. And they still almost beat an SEC team at home. Yeah. Um, all right. I just want to 
forgot to uh, pull up the stream. So putting up your comments on the screen is not appearing to be working. So we won't be able to do that. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, sorry about that. But if you put your comments in there, we'll try to look at the chat um, on YouTube and kind of pull them up and do any questions or whatever or comment on things uh, after that. So my apologies. We won't be able to put your comments up on the screen today. Oh, for for Cal, I had, um, yeah, it was 10-7. Cal was up right before the halftime, right? They kicked a field goal, got called for holding like you mentioned. Uh, they kept getting points off the board like that. Like there's just these opportunities kept going by the wayside. And you're like, you're Cal, like you're not scoring that much. This is a, you know, field position kind of game. You can't just be giving up points like that. They went for it once on fourth and one in their own territory. Did you see that one? Mm -hmm. Like that was pretty good. Um, you know, that late interception in the end zone was tough. I think red zone, there was just problems in general. Um, missing three field goals is not good. Uh, and on third down, they were pretty bad. Uh, four of 18. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's not where you want to be if you're Cal. But I agree. They could have won this one and uh, didn't. Um, this is an interesting one. And uh, Utah Twitter, just so you know, we are following along with my partner's you're such Power a rankings. little weakling because you I don't want to take the responsibility for ranking the I top just, eight teams in this league. I just took his tweet My and God. put it in the dock. Our number eight team. Dock, everybody. Utah Utes. This is more punishing Kyle Whittingham for being, um, again, the most beautiful dumb genius in the entire <laughs> world. Because they won. They beat Baylor 20-13 to 13 on the road. Yay! And we dropped them to Great. eight? For um, winning, but I, they against a power they, five they, opponent. They started the on pig, the road. They started the pig farmer Bryson Barnes, yeah, uh, who threw. Um, there was a lot of slop with he, that pig he, farmer. Yeah, boy, howdy! <laughs> uh, on nineteen attempts, he threw for seventy-one yards and a pick, and the pick was bad, <laughs> bad pick. Um, nearly threw another one too. Like there, were, there were a couple just absolute ducks in this game. Wait, so Cam Rising didn't play? No, no. I, mean, I saw him at Pac-12 Media Day. I thought he was going to yeah, play. Weird, very strange. Yeah. Um, and then we saw Nate Johnson go out there and complete six of seven passes for 82 yards while also running for 32 yards and a touchdown on 11 carries and looking like a playable guy. Because I was kind of going with, oh, the coaching wisdom on this one. Okay, maybe he can't, you know, do the reading the field stuff. No, no, he was totally fine. Way better than the pig farmer. What were they doing? Um Utah eventually pulls this out. Uh, the defense played great. Uh, they were um, really, really good against uh, against Baylor, especially when they were getting nothing from their offense, especially in the first half. Um, and then to pull this out in the <laughs> in the end stages of this game uh, was really impressive. Um, and they needed every bit of it there at the end. Uh, but you know, I mean, they basically went. Uh, Jaquindon Jackson and Jalen Glover there at the end to score the final touchdown. I thought Jaquindon Jackson was probably the offensive MVP. Um, 19 carries for 129 yards. And there were just sequences of really dumb play calling where it would be like Jaquindon Jackson just had there was one sequence where he I was at midfield and he had just had two runs where he'd gone for like 20 yards. It was like one 10 yard run, super tough running, one 10 yard run, super tough running. And then they went back to throwing the ball with the pig farmer. And it was just like, what are you doing? Yeah. What's going on here? Hopefully they've found now, okay, we need to play Nate Johnson. We need to lean on Jaquindon Jackson. We need to do that until Cam Rising is back. And then, you know, build something around that kind of combined running game of having a running threat at quarterback and a running threat, obviously, Jaquindon Jackson. Um, but they need Cam Rising back. 
I think that's the big takeaway. I think so. Yeah. Uh, this was a tough one. Eight point spread that we took it, uh, and Utah ends up winning by seven, but you know, I don't know what the, if you look at the advanced stats, should they have won this game? Like, I'm not sure that would have been the case. Um, but it was funny watching the broadcast. This was one of the early morning ones along with Colorado. Uh, they tell the Bryson Barnes like scholarship story, mm-hmm. which he was, Kyle Whittingham put him on scholarship and he didn't know. And he was asking like the ops guy or something like, Hey, am I on scholarship? And you're like, yeah, you're on scholarship. And so like, I don't know how that happens if you don't even know that you're on scholarship, but somehow he was. But right after they tell that story is when he threw that horrible pick. And you're just like, ah, that so wasn't. Everyone's asking, how could you have them eighth? Like, go through the rest of the Pac-12. This is not easy. Do you have Washington State eighth? They just beat Wisconsin at home. Yeah. And uh, let's let's remember something about Baylor. They lost to Texas State last week at home. They're probably not good. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And based on current play without Cam Rising, I don't think Utah's doing anything. They got to get Cam Rising back. Yeah. If you watch those first nine drives from Utah, <laughs> six points in nine drives. That's not a clock thing. That's just bad. What's the points offense. per drive there? <laughs> it's, not, it's not not good. Uh, and then at the end, Baylor's like throwing that Hail Mary or whatever into the end zone. Looks like kind of a PI thing. They don't call it. Uh, it wasn't even like that much of a hero. Well, it was a it was a nice sellout blitz from Utah on that play too. I love that. No, we're not playing coverage. We're coming after you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then and then fully mugged the uh, receiver in the end zone. But whatever, they probably won't call it. And even if they do, you've got one more chance from the two. Yeah. Um, so what I okay. So people are asking, would I have uh, Utah here? I get it. Um, you know, I might have them. Maybe up a spot, but I, I agree with David. Like, I feel like there's more impressive wins above them. You want to give them benefit of the doubt. This is a power ranking. This isn't like what you did for me last year. You get some benefit of the doubt being two-time Pac-12 champs, but this was sort of like a, um, you know, a little tough one on the road, I guess. Dude, uh, I, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get crap for the next one too. You are because number seven we have David's very own UCLA Bruins. <laughs> Uh, UCLA went on the road uh, down to uh, beautiful, sunny San Diego and uh, beat the absolute shit out of San Diego State. Uh, 35-10. Wasn't close. Wasn't even that close. Um, They had it, uh, I think it was 550 yards to 250, more or less. Um, Just worked them. Uh, Just, you know, slight inefficiencies. But this is more like a game where they should have won by about six or seven touchdowns. Yeah. who picked? How, how did you pick this one? I picked San Diego State, but oh. uh, big caveat: I, I picked, picked it. I picked it assuming they were still going to do their stupid quarterback platoon. If right. I had known going in, Dante Moore is starting and playing basically every snap of the first three quarters. UCLA's covering that one. Don't you go to practice? You can see these things. Or no? Yeah, yeah. In my fifteen minutes of observation <laughs> of individuals, I still think they went in with the plan of playing uh, both Garbers and Moore, but then the complexion of the game presented itself a little bit differently. After two drives, uh, more than was basically lights out for the rest of the game. Um, he threw a lot of, I mean, he threw a great RPO uh, touchdown to Josiah Norwood, uh, went for 81 yards. Um, he had a lot of the like kind of, now I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but he had a lot of the Mahomes-esque like sidearm throws, like where he'd sidearm it to uh, Carson Ryan to get it around the pass rush for a touchdown. 
almost a three-quarter angle uh, to get it to Maliki Mataveo on a long gain. Um, and he had like some of the best touch I've seen on a ball uh, to Logan Loya um, on a route to the sideline where he had to place it literally in a single spot uh, 40 yards from where he was standing, and he got it right there, uh, right where it needed to be. Uh, he was really, really impressive. Way more poised uh, than you would expect from a uh, from a true freshman in his first start. We didn't see any Ethan Garbers playing quarterback, um, so that played a huge role in uh, I think giving him some comfort uh, that he wasn't kind of constantly switching. The run game was really good. Um, both Steele and Harden ran for about ninety yards apiece on uh, for Steele seven yards a carry for Harden ten yards a carry. Um, they had. 254 yards rushing on 39 carries. That'll get it done. Uh, and then defensively, they got, for the second straight game, 10 tackles for loss, uh, another three sacks. Uh, Leatu Latu is now at four sacks through two games. Um, so that's pretty good pace. That's 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 pretty good pace. Yeah, that'll put right. you. He's that, good. That'll put you but right up around uh, the all-time high for a season. Um, so anyway, they beat a team on the road by 25 and we have them two and O and still ranked seventh in our power rankings because um, it's tough. Th- the PAC 12 is very good. Now Utah does have a win. Like I guess we'll know more like as Florida, they beat like McNeese state or something. Um, but the, they really kind of laid an egg on the road against a Baylor team that lost to uh, Wyoming the week before. Am I right? Or is that my Texas tech up with that one? Baylor, Baylor's 0-2, right? Baylor lost to Texas State at home. Texas State, okay. Yeah, Texas was... Tech lost to Wyoming on the road. Right, okay. Um, Wyoming, right. that's what I said. So did, Baylor's... You hear, did you hear Wyoming? Because that's what I said. Yeah, Baylor's bad. I get it. You got two Power 5 wins, and the only the only team in the, in the country that has two Power 5 wins, if I'm not mistaken, is Utah. But they just look so bad on the road without I, – I get – I you know, I'm on board, Dave. I'm not throwing you under the bus here. I think I'm on board with this. You could you could definitely make the argument. The only reason you'd have them higher is because of what they did last year. Um, but that was not an impressive game on the road there. Yeah. All right. Uh, our number uh, six team. Washington State Cougars. The Cougs uh, did, I mean, probably the most emotionally satisfying thing of the weekend in beating uh, number 19 Wisconsin at home. Uh, Washington State had full control of this in the in the first half, and then really impressively, Wisconsin gets a bunch of momentum coming out of the locker room. Like it's twenty four twenty two. I think they just missed a two point conversion, but Wisconsin had all of the momentum, and Washington State stopped them in their tracks. Uh, got a big fumble recovery, turned that into a touchdown, um, and just I mean, so Cam Ward I thought was pretty good in this game. Um, he wasn't exceptional, but he wasn't making huge mistakes. The defense stepped up hugely for Washington State. They had one fumble return for a touchdown, got the ball again when they absolutely needed to get the ball again in the second half, uh, ultimately won 31-22. This was 24-9 at halftime, uh, and, you know, they they allowed Wisconsin back into it and then fought back. I thought it was a real great test of their kind of fortitude. Um, They fought through it, and then Jake Dickert after the game Really emotional, uh, talking about how Washington State deserves a spot in the Power Five. Tired, you know, City of Pullman rushes the field. Uh, really great um, performance from Washington State. Really great to see that win. Um, and they absolutely do deserve a spot in Power Five. They're not going to get it. Um, but uh, really, 
I mean, basically no Power Five should ever again visit Washington State because the last two that have done it, Illinois in 1998, asses handed to them. Wisconsin, 2023, asses handed to them. Yeah. 25 years at least before another one comes. If you're watching on YouTube, I put up the picture of like the crowd um, rushing there. So that looked really cool. And uh, Pullman, um, and like you mentioned, I thought Dickert's, you know, afterwards that was very heartfelt. You know, how about they work so hard and they really deserve a spot. Um, you know, they forced three turnovers in this one, uh, 14 nothing. Uh, they out they out um, scored Wisconsin off the turnovers. Uh, Ron Stone Jr. had two sacks, uh, two forced fumbles. I voted him for Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week. I know it came out just recently. I didn't see if he won it, but I assume he did. Um, when you get two sacks and two forced fumbles, that's pretty good. They had T-shirts made up to honor Mike Leach because uh, it was, you know, the first home game since his passing. It had like the Washington State logo and the, and swords and stuff. So I thought that was cool, but just a great environment. Um, you know, the the Pack Two uh, both had really cool home environments for this one. People seemed to really get around and rally for their team. Uh, you know, Oregon State didn't play anybody, but Washington State did, and uh, people showed up, and it was good. The atmosphere is great. They fed off it, and big win for Jake Dickert, and a big win, win for the Cougs, and now they're ranked, which is really cool. Very cool. Uh, we both picked Washington State to cover the six, and we got this one. So yeah, Absolutely. Um, we did pretty good there. All right, number five, we've got Oregon Ducks. See, this is another one that's insane. Oregon? Oregon's really good. They're fifth. The league's stupid. Sorry. Blame the league, not me. Uh, Oregon won 38-30. This was the funniest cover of the weekend. Um, Oregon was up 31-30 with uh, not enough time left that you thought a cover was possible. And then it happened. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I clearly bet uh, Oregon to cover. Um, uh, They got an interception return for a touchdown there at the end uh, that... um, Probably would have been smarter for uh, Jeffrey Bassa uh, to fall down at the one rather than run it all the way in for the touchdown. But as we all know, good teams win. Great teams cover. That's right. Uh, Oregon um, early on, I thought Oregon looked like, OK, they actually are going to blow this team out like they've they've got it. Um I thought Bucky Irving was running really well early. I thought Bo Nix looked really sharp. You know, he missed Troy Franklin. I wouldn't even say he missed. It was like Troy Franklin ran with the with his hands like this and then just didn't bring them together, you know, to catch the ball at the right moment uh, on a deep shot down the sideline. But then he got him on the next one uh, for a long touchdown. But it felt like they could get those. But then Texas Tech's defense tightened up. Um, they continued to move the ball. I think Tyler... Uh, um, which way do we want to go? Shuff? Shoe? <laughs> Shug? Uh, he no longer shucks. Uh, he's actually he good. he's actually pretty good. Threw three picks, but uh, for most of this game, he was basically the only reason they were maintaining. Uh, it felt like through, especially like the first two and a half quarters, he was really moving the ball well for Texas Tech, making a lot of throws that he definitely wasn't making in his Oregon days. Right. Um, then threw three picks. Uh, wasn't great late, um, but you know Oregon showing some fortitude, winning that game and covering. Um, but it very easily could have been a one-point nail-biter win instead of the 
eight-point cover that it was. I was watching in the press box on the iPad and just was like, uh, so you're trying to, you know, you want the the Pac-12 to get the win, but I'm like, they're never going to cover the six and a half. And then like the scenarios go through your head, like, well, how could it happen? Pick six, baby. (laughs) When it gets like, when it's like the overtime one, we're like, well, if Oregon scores first in overtime and then gets like a pick six or something yeah. the other way. But this was in regulation and they get the pick six. And I, I didn't, wasn't watching it live because there was something going on when I was covering. And then I look back, I'm like, oh my God, they scored. And uh, that was like the weirdest cover. Yeah. Um, but uh, pretty cool. Uh, for that one, this is the second time in Landanning's short uh, stint as the head coach of the University of Oregon that he's won a game when they were trailing with 90 seconds left. So pretty crazy. Um, very disciplined. David, I thought only 14 penalties for 124 yards. <laughs> it's not too bad. Uh, nine penalties in the first half for 79 yards. Uh, they did have <laughs> – they were plus four on the turnovers. So it's like – I thought the run game was bad. They didn't – like early on maybe, but it just uh, – they couldn't uh, run. If I have one critique so far, yeah. I think Oregon does look a little um, – The offensive line earmuffs, earmuffs, Hithliday. I thought I think they look a little finessey. Oh. Like not – just not super um, – yeah, and I think, <laughs> for, to his credit, Cristobal was kind of this way where he was like, oh, we're just going to play man ball and run it down your right. throats. Yeah. They don't really have as much of that this year. I mean, even Bucky Irving, um, like especially the way he was running in the second half, it was a lot of like, oh, I'm going to – I'm actually going to just wait around and see if there's anything that opens up. And then he was getting tackled for losses and stuff. And it's yeah. just like they have too much talent to be playing like that. Like they, they need to man up and just – you know, we're going to grind out for like three or four yards right here. And we're just going to do that too. Yeah. Um, so I would say if that was, if there's one critique of them offensively so far, I mean, obviously I didn't watch them against Portland state cause who cares, but this one, I would say, are they going to be one of those teams that can grind out a game or are they not? And yeah. I don't know after this one search says in the uh, chat, my wallet really appreciated that pick six. Yeah, that was good. I mean, that was a, a nice one. And Brian Small says, uh, FYI, Willingham, uh, Whittingham announced um, that Johnson will start if Rising is unavailable. Good. So good, good, no good. more of the pig farmer, um, which, you know, I guess that kind of makes sense. But yeah, like this was a tough, I mean, again, Oregon could have easily lost this game. They get the, f- the plus four on the turnovers. Uh, but, you know, you win. And, uh, you know, I guess you could argue maybe not even have Oregon this high, which you know, a lot of it's probably preseason stuff. They're still a really talented team. Um, but, you know, this was this was a test. They passed, but it was a little shaky, I would say. Yeah. All right. Our number four team is Colorado Buffalo. This is probably the one that you could most successfully talk me out of uh, having them this high, if only because... <laughs> this was a lot shakier than the final score ends up looking. A little bit. Uh, 36 to 14. But um, the big takeaway uh, from the first half especially is that Nebraska's defense came to play. And uh, Colorado really didn't have a great answer for them early. Um, so first, Colorado really struggled to run the ball in this game. Uh, and that's two straight weeks where they really haven't run the ball that great. Uh, 33 carries for 58 yards. Um, and it wasn't until late that Dylan Edwards even really got off for anything. Anthony Hankerson was probably actually a little bit more successful running the ball. Um, but they couldn't get anything going early. And it was simply through like mistake after mistake after mistake and bad play after bad play from uh, Nebraska's Jeff Sims uh, that they were 
really able to generate anything. I mean, it was 10 nothing at halftime. Um, and look, you want to credit Colorado's defense. I do still think the defense is better than people were saying it was after TCU. I think going against Sonny Dyke's system is not easy no matter who's running it. Um, they gang tackle. Like, they get after you. They, they, they fly to the ball. They swarm the whole thing. Um, but this was not the offensive performance that that first week was, despite them eventually scoring 36 points. Then in the second half, uh, Shador Sanders started getting it going more. Uh, he started hitting some big throws. Um, but again, the big story was Nebraska's defense was able to do some things. And if Nebraska had been just semi-competent offensively, you know, not throwing horrible picks, not throwing horrible incompletions, it's probably a more competitive game. I still think Colorado would have won and covered, but it would have been more competitive. Yeah, this uh, there, Nebraska made just so many mistakes in the first half, and they don't. I mean, it, it's very clear for the second week in a row, one team was better coached by a lot, and it was Coach Prime and and the Buffs for sure. Um, a lot of mistakes. Colorado was up thirteen nothing. They kept sacking Shador Sanders like. You know, he can move around a little bit, and Nebraska was just after. It was like sack after sack. Um, yeah, that, so Colorado ended up punting on uh, each of their first four drives, and then they scored on seven of the last eight, or the next eight. So they did get it rolling, but Nebraska's defense was legit. Um, they didn't, you know, I, I know the score looks a little, but, you know, they they made, you know, Colorado's offense They sacked him like time. seven times. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. Um, so, no, their their defensive line. They they've got a couple of players where they'll have to face that a couple of times in the league, but not a lot. I mean, Nebraska's defense is legit. I think people who are, I think there's two ways to look at that game. One, Colorado should probably shouldn't have been a 22 point win because Nebraska's offense is so bad. Yeah, but at the same time, Colorado putting up 36 points against that defense is impressive. Um, and so I think you walk away from that and say both those things are true. And don't poo-poo Colorado totally because Nebraska's defense actually is legit. Yeah, Travis Hunter, uh, not as big of a, a day, I guess, but the, you know, he played it was a lot of reports, 130 something snaps uh, in the the heat in Texas, and then comes to uh, altitude, which I wasn't sure if he'd do it. And I, I believe it was 125 or something. It's somewhere in that range of what he played. So yeah. he continues to just play a shit ton of snaps. Uh, did it in the heat. Did it in the altitude. So there's. I'm not seeing any reason why that wouldn't keep going. Um, so, yeah, but impressive win. Uh, Colorado getting big noon kickoff two weeks in a row. They'll have game day with Colorado State this weekend. I mean, it is – this is the best case. For Fox, they just rolled in it, right? Like, you had two weeks of undefeated prime. Oh, my God, that's great. And now, like, the upcoming games, Oregon on the road, uh, USC at home, like – if if Colorado was one and three or something like those games don't matter as much now they're going to matter they're going to be undefeated going into conference play uh, unless they you know shit the bed yeah. against Colorado State but pretty impressive all right our number three team Washington Huskies <laughs> now I personally wouldn't have Washington this high because they didn't cover for me and people were like. <laughs> They were great. I'm like, no, dude, they sucked. They didn't cover the 35. So this was the one I got wrong that David got right. Yeah. Well, some of us are just better at this. Um, uh, I want to talk about this even less than I want to talk about Wash, uh, USC, Stanford. Uh, Washington blew them out. Tulsa's not very good. Uh, the big thing that I would still be kind of just in the back of my head if I'm a Washington fan, if I'm if I'm one of those worry work types, run game's still not like a great run game. Um, and... 
how much do you need a great run game when you have a guy like Michael Penix? Okay, I get it. But you're going to need some more. Uh, and they ran the ball 22 times for 109 yards, which is eh, pretty good. But against Tulsa, you'd like to be able to put together like 30 carries for like 200 yards. Um, so, you know, minor, minor key issue. Uh, defensively, they were very good. Um, and uh, Michael Penix is awesome. Yeah, I would say the one thing I take away from this is that uh, the defense is better. I thought they'd be better, and they, they have been so far. It's Tulsa. They're not that great. Um, Washington was definitely sloppy, and uh, I was driving in to go to the Coliseum, but I was listening to this on the radio. On uh, yeah, I pulled up on the streaming, like Washington's uh, radio broadcast, so I was able to hear that. Um, they had a bunch of drops. They had turnovers. Uh, they were driving at the end of the half, and uh, – you know, get down to field goal range and the receiver um, fumbles it. They were still up 22 to three, uh, despite, you know, they should have been up two more scores. Mm-hmm. And then, but that that's a, to cover a big spread. You kind of have to, you can't fumble in the first half. Cause in the second half, you're like, you're not going to be trying as hard. I love how when it's like they didn't cover the spread, your whole, like, you're just like down on them. You're like, no, they're terrible. when you're trying to cover the spread, you got to do it this way. Well, they, they, and DeBoer talked about it at halftime. Like they, they left points out on the table. True. You know, there was like, you know, uh, but yeah, so they didn't cover. So screw you, Washington. Uh, no, but nine straight wins. So the first time they've done that since 2016. Uh, you remember they went to the playoff. Um, they've scored at least 40 points for the eighth time in 15 games. So more than half the time at Kalen DeBoer has been the head coach at Washington. They've scored 40 points and they're, uh, ain't no one doing so. Um, so pretty impressive. Uh, from uh, from Washington, put up a bunch of points. But again, good teams win, great teams cover, not a great team. I wouldn't have them this high. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two, we already talked about uh, their USC. And our number one team again. Oregon State Beavers. Look, people giving me crap for this one. I don't I would, care. I would say, yeah. I'm not listening USC to USC should be one. Crap. Oregon State beat an FCS team. But whatever, I'll give you this. They beat the living shit out of an FCS team. USC beat the living shit out of a Pac-12 team. Whatever. <laughs> Is Stanford Would Stanford beat UC Davis? Yes, they, they beat Hawaii on the road. Okay, would, would Hawaii beat UC Davis? I don't know, maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah, Oregon State uh, beat the absolute hell out of them. I'm not dethroning the champs until... Uh, you know, they dethrone themselves. Okay. It was like the glorious. Um, and by the champs, I mean, uh, they haven't won anything. The but, Beavs. You know, right. The Beavs. Uh, they did. With, we got to see Reacher Stadium. All its glory. Mm-hmm. A whole stadium, not half. Yep. That's pretty cool, right? Yep. Uh, uh, they, they held uh, UC Davis to 47 yards rushing on 29 carries. 169, 160 total yards of offense for UC Davis. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's not good. It was 38 nothing at half. USC was up 49-3 on Stanford at the half, David. Um, you keep saying that like Stanford is meaningfully different from UC Davis. <laughs> like you could drive there pretty quickly, I guess, um, from one to the other. It's not that far away. Uh-huh. Aiden Childs got in. Uh, he threw as many passes as, as DJ on Galilele, so uh, that was good. Completed one more than DJ. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's good to see. You want to get backups. Like, that's – the one thing that's been different covering USC this year and last year, because they would beat the teams and maybe they beat them by like 17, but it was sort of close at the end. Like now they're just blowing people out. You get all those opportunities for reps for what, for Oregon state to get the reps of a whole bunch of backups and everything. Um, you get your freshman quarterback in there. That's a big deal. So this was, you know, 
well done. You can only beat who's on your schedule. They took care of business. Um, you know, they looked impressive week one, look impressive week two at home. So I'm fine with this, but you know, we'll see what, you know, where it goes from here. But yeah, we, Oregon State, we got them number one. Yep. Beeves. Okay. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll try to do some questions. How much time you got, David? We'll, We've got uh, 20 minutes. Okay. We'll do some questions when we get back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All righty, we're back here on the podcast of champions. Uh, please put in your survival pool picks for week three. Uh, we'll put ours in there. We'll do that on the preview show. I think on Thursday we're going to do the preview show. Is that the? That's our plan. That's a plan. What time are we plan on doing that? Is that we a, usually do that at nine oh five, nine fifteen. Okay, in that range. All right, we'll do that uh, on Thursday. We'll in do our morning. Do all our picks. Really, do want to thank everybody. I think we've had almost like 160 people we've had a hundred. Yeah. Like a max of 160 people watching live on our uh, YouTube stream. So thank you so much for doing that. We, uh, we got a couple of voicemails. We'll do these first. Um, one of them is really long, but they say some nice things about me. So I think I'm going to play it. Is that cool yeah, yeah, with you? For sure. right. uh, we'll try to keep them a little shorter, but this is, it, he's had some good voicemails right, lately. Here we go. Hey, Brian, Steve Trevor here. Great shows last week. You guys are the best. Uh, I got a question for my boy Dave, as usual. Uh, I never ask you any questions, Ryan, but that's only because you're on like nine podcasts that I listen to a week, and I'm on the message board you own like seven hours a day. So what am I going to ask you? Like, hey, Ryan, did you like my post in the Peristyle yesterday? You know, there's just nothing there. So I got to talk to my boy Dave when I get the chance. So, Dave, I've been watching Dante more. And as an SC fan watching Dante Moore, uh, the only thing I can think is, you know, God damn it. Uh, you know, like the first time you saw Zach Branch touch the ball uh, for SC, it's just, you know, son of a bitch. Get to deal with this for the next three years. Uh, now, the only thing keeping me sane is knowing that uh, old Lincoln Riley and the House of Victory are going to be in the market for a portal QB in a few months. and. We know Dante likes his NIL, so I can't wait for that thread on Bro when the transfer of all transfers goes down. But, you know, seriously, watching Dante, um, Dave, he, I want to ask you about his potential impact because if I were a UCLA fan, my single biggest frustration with Chip would be the totally unnecessary ceiling he places on the program by refusing to participate in any meaningful way in high school recruiting, uh, a decision which I support fully. If you're listening, Chip, high school recruiting is beneath you, and you should not engage in it. But uh, more to me, has the looks of a ceiling razor. And so my question, Dave, is with UCLA where it is now, with, you know, kind of like this top 20-ish program that is competitive in the conference but can't quite get to the top, 
uh, if you just keep that standard model of program and just drop this elite level quarterback into it, like more should be the next couple of years, uh, how high do you think the program can rise? We know Chip can scheme up an offense. We know he'll find some solid transfers. Give him this, you know, all-world quarterback as a sophomore and a junior. You think he can take Ushuaia into, you know, top ten-ish range, be competitive for a Big Ten crown? Just love to get your thoughts on that. All right, boys. Have a great rest of your day. Love you. Bye. All right. Love you, too. It gave uh, me time to uh, pull up a Dante Moore photo. So Yeah, that was a great voicemail and a great question. Um, we've seen it a number of times where an elite quarterback can raise the profile of an otherwise middling program. Um, uh, one that obviously springs to mind, and they're very different players, Dante Moore and who I'm about to name, but Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M significantly raised the profile of what was a relatively mediocre Kevin Sumlin, right? We saw him do a lot of things before and after that were nothing like what he did in the couple of seasons with Johnny Manziel. Um, I think Chip Kelly's a better coach than Kevin Sumlin ever was. Um, but there is, there's always this idea that like a, a truly elite quarterback can raise the level. And I think Dante Moore, you know, it's two games, but um, based on what I saw in the spring, just uh, the advanced feel, the the accuracy, the ability to make these kind of spectacular throws. Um, yeah, he's he's at another level. I think so. Before the season, I would have said, yeah, Dante Moore needs to be good, but um, you know how different is it going to be from fifth year Dorian Thompson Robinson? The big question is going to be the defense. Um, but sort of like what's happening with USC, UCLA's defense looks like it might be. I'm not going to say great, but it might be solid. Like, it might be back to being, okay, that's actually halfway decent. And when you've got that part, like, kind of halfway taken care of, then you allow yourself the possibility that a, a, a single transformative player on the offensive end can actually raise the profile. So, yeah, I mean, I think if if Dante Moore, um, you know, plays his three years at UCLA, uh the potential for this being a top 10 team next year or the year after, I mean, who knows what happens the rest of this year, but the potential for it, especially as a sophomore or junior, I think is there. Um, they need to maintain what they're doing currently defensively for me to stick with that. I mean, if they suddenly drop back to, you know, 90th or 100th in, uh, in any kind of analytical system defense, then I will tap the brakes on that because there's <laughs> only so much you can do on one side of the ball. But if it maintains as like a top 50, top 60 defense on top of, you know, more continuing to look like this then yeah. I mean, top 10 for a couple of seasons there would make a lot of sense. All right. We got one more voicemail. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. Um, Dave, I know you had mentioned in the past when um, DJ Uyungle, I, I, um made his commitment to Oregon State that he made some comments about his past time at Clemson and that you kind of thought that was dumb and thought he should move on and everything. And I'm wondering with how poorly Clemson played against Duke and just kind of how how they've had a rough start to the season. Um, do you think a lot of his, I guess, shortcomings at Clemson, looking at it now, do you think that was on him? Or do you think, based on how Clemson started, if um, it was more just some coaching and not really utilizing him in the best way? Just curious your thoughts on that. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, definite reevaluation, and I think some smarter people who watched a lot of Clemson football were saying much the same thing even after last season. Uh, yeah. But I don't watch any ACC football, um, so I was, uh, you know, talking out of my ass like I usually do. 
Um, given how he's looked so far, I would say some of it is a Jonathan Smith reclamation project, but a lot of it, I think, looking at looking at Clemson's offense uh, through two games, and I know they put a beat down on Charleston Southern, but that was like 17-17 at one point. It was close, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is their offense being antiquated. Um, and uh, DJU has looked good so far, um, and we'll see if they can maintain this as the competition gets stiffer. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would say probably much more so uh, a bad bad scheme around him maybe a bad fit for it i don't know but uh certainly clemson's offense hasn't been doing anyone any favors lately yeah bruce feldman did a uh, article on it and there was some criticism for sure but the way you know dj was talking about it and uh it looks like he seems to be thriving now and clemson's still kind of in the same spot so uh there might be some truth to some of that uh what there was in there um we got an email uh, from kian I think it's probably a restraining order is the subject. Uh, Keon. Keon? Okay. Hello, Jets. As you very well know, Oregon State, Washington State filed for an emergency restraining order against the Pac-12 and George Klyavkov himself. If you had told, you know what's funny? Uh, you could tell uh, Keon, is it Keon? Is that what we said? Keon. Keon. Did not spell Klyavkov because the, the font changes. Like, yeah, because he grabbed it from somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. And then the font continues. But to he like, didn't care enough to do like command shift paste. He just command pasted, right. and then didn't care enough when he saw the font change to even do anything else. With I, email. It bothers me. I have to have fonts the same on the same paragraph. So and you've stuff. learned command shift and paste. I so do that mostly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I just I'm like OCD or whatever. I can't do this. But uh, you're one of those people who checks all your emails too. And I check all my. I can't have like unopened emails yeah, or whatever. Psycho. Yeah. I know. Uh, so Klyavkov himself, uh, if you had told your past self from May of 2022, so this is before the LA schools left, of the restraining order against Klyavkov and nothing else about the situation, what would you have assumed to, assumed to have been the cause? Thanks and go Bruins from Keon. Okay, so USC and UCLA are part of the conference, and Washington State and, and Oregon, I guess we know the schools. No, just... Uh, or this there, specific restraining order, or just there is a restraining go, order against Klyovkov? Let's go general restraining order against Klyovkov. Well, that could be anything, and nothing I want to say would be... Because it'd be coming it might, from... Might I would, be it'd have to be something Vegas-related, right? Um, like, Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Because it's got to be so, like he was running MTM he, or whatever. Huge gambling debts and, you know... Or, yeah, like... Um, Showgirls complaining about something like me too. Yeah, we can't. We can't do that. I know we can't. But like, if you had to like pick a restraining order, we're, like, we're not allowed to. Uh, I'm only the only thing I think about a restraining order is like domestic violence. I mean, it's nothing good. Yeah, not a good thing to speculate about. Right, shouldn't do it. Right. So that's a wouldn't tough be one. prudent. Wouldn't be prudent to answer right. that one because it does. Yeah, it's not like oh, insider trading or like no, like that's not what restraining orders that we. That, so not knowing anything, we would assume something bad that you can't talk about. Exactly. All right, uh, this is from Hugh Janus. Oh, uh, true or false? Hey, boys, it's your old pal Hugh Janus. It's been a while since I wrote in, but with the destruction of the Pac-12, I was inspired to check in. Myself and a couple of my buddies, Hugh Asshole and Hugh Hugh Rection, okay, uh, put together ten quick true/false questions for you. We know you don't like to read a lot of words, so here we go. One: Caleb Williams will win the Heisman again this year. You don't like to read a lot of words. There's a lot of words here. It's just broken up. I'm going to say true. Okay. Uh, the, he's the favorite right now, the way he's playing. I mean, the field is always the better bet, but I'm going to go true. Yeah, I, I'm 
I I think he can. I think he'll go true. Two, Colorado will win eight games this season. <sighs> I'm going to go false. I'm going to join you in false. I think they win six or seven. I think seven is probably, which is way better than I thought. So I think it's very reasonable. It, I think it's going to be tough. It, it gets a little tougher. Um, but, I mean, I'm assuming you're not beating Oregon or USC. But yeah. you win one or freaking both of those games. I'm willing I'm, to constantly change my evaluation of Colorado. Yeah. But I I'm definitely went from, like, they're going to be dog crap to a bowl team. I'm just not sure they're going to be a beat. Well, it's going to be super weird for you for them to get to be a bowl team only winning two games. I mean, how are you <laughs> going to pick them this weekend? I mean, Colorado State's obviously coming in there and winning, right? Yeah, that's, that's the case. Because you have them at two and ten. Right. Correct. Uh, three, Dante Moore will be freshman of the year in the Pac-12. I think that's already true. I think it's true. Uh, yeah. Four. Just because he's the quarterback. Like, yeah, he's going to be the starting quarterback for a good offense for Right, it's going to win like nine games, yeah. right? So he's going to win as I started. Yeah, so there's good freshmen at other, but if you're the freshman quarterback, like if, if Aiden Childs was, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's going to throw 25 touchdowns. All right, four, Michael Crow and especially Ray Anderson should have been fired more than a year ago. True. Uh, five, Oregon State and Washington State end up as members of the Mountain West rather than in a reimagined Pac-12. Eventually false. true. Fa- I'm going to go false. Eventually true. Um. Oh, uh, oh! I guess uh, reimagine Pac-12. Okay, whatever. I'm going reimagine Pac-12 because uh, there's assets. It's it's just a, it's like in a middle ground because they'll end up in the de facto Mountain West, okay. but it will be maybe still called the Pac-12. Six. The TV money, NIL, transfer portal, and conference realignment have ruined college football. Too many factors, so I have to go false because yeah. some of these things have not. Uh, TV money being the one that has transfer portal, I think is totally fine. NIL is better than the previous. So it's TV money, which basically causes conference realignment that has ruined college football. I don't think it's ruined, but okay. It's not good. It's not as good as it was. Okay. Uh, it's sending it on a downward path. So uh, being watched more than ever. Whatever. You're such a fucking USC guy sometimes. Uh, seven. The Rose Bowl game will never be the same as when it had the Big Ten versus Pac-2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12 every year. Correct. True, yeah. True. Eight, USC will never win a national championship in football in David David's lifetime. True. I don't True. Okay, fine. True. I'm I'm dead within two years. Uh nine. Dave would beat Ryan in an arm wrestling match. I'd probably go true. Yeah, I think I'd probably. I got more anger. There'd be yeah. Anger is the main fuel for an arm wrestle. Yeah, like I've I don't know if longer arms help or hurt. I think it hurts. Yeah. Okay. Um 10, you agree with us that John Canzano and John Wilner really blew it with their coverage of the Pac-12 media negotiations. They both came across as shills for the conference with their constant sunshine pumping that it would all get worked out and the conference would be fine. We know you don't want to knock other media members like yourselves, but those two really soiled their reputations. I don't know when this stopped becoming a true false. Too many factors, so I got to go false. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree with everything, but I would go false um, also. But yeah, there was some other stuff that... Yeah, that was that was there were some tough situations, but I, I like both those guys. I think they did a really good job. I think they were told stuff that probably the presidents were told too, and uh, all of that stuff ended up not being true. I was telling all you idiots out there how to how to pay attention to their reports throughout. It's a very good insight into various things. Right, not my fault if you took it a different way. Right. Uh, thank you for all you do, and can't wait to follow your coverage of the Pac-2, Mountain West, Big Twelve, Big Ten, ACC in the years to come. With love, Hugh Janus, Hugh Jassel, and Hugh G. Rection. Nice. Um, you got like two minutes or something? Or? I've got seven minutes. Oh, okay. 
Uh, we'll go through these quick. Uh, all four quarterbacks won. This is from Fred in Sarasota. Caleb Williams, Jackson Dart, Keaton Slovis, JT Daniels all won their games. Those are all former USC quarterbacks. So Good for them. Uh, Dart at Ole Miss, Keaton Slovis at uh, BYU, and JT Daniels. No, wait. JT Daniels BYU? I don't know. I forget. He's what at Rice. Name. Oh, Rice. Okay. Wow. Uh, this is from SoCal. Request, don't even mention Cal on tomorrow's show. Wilcox is a human <laughs> Wilcox is human garbage that should have been fired years ago. How he got an extension, the AD and company should be fired as well. This is the cheese it bowl all over again, along with countless losses that he's ultimately to blame. He needs to be gone prior to the end of the season. We need a fresh start going to the ACC. Leave the losers off the bus. Next team, please. And yeah, I got you two mixed up last week. Yeah. He, so, com- he complained about me last week when I picked Cal to win. Yeah. And he was just like, you guys suck. You don't talk about Cal enough. And now he's like, forget it. Yeah. No, forget Cal. Forget you. I hate it all. You hated me. You got the wrong thing. You got the wrong coast. It was crazy. All right. Uh, Cal Bears question. I guess this is not <laughs> planned. Uh, Double Down wrote in. Hello, Ryan and Dave. Past few months, possible wake-up call for California University football and men's basketball programs? That was a question mark. Could those programs actually receive more support going forward from the university in an effort to actually be good? Cal football did add 20 transfers this past year. Are they starting to be allowed to play the modern college football recruiting game? Why do you guys think the Big Ten didn't add Cal and Stanford on the cheap, cheap? Great show has always doubled down. Mm. Maybe. Uh, it's going to be have to be more support from like private donations and the university to actually be good because they're not going to get as much from TV deal. Yeah, but maybe like SMU is doing, but they they look like they care more than Stanford. To yeah, play Cal, the Cal game. looks like uh, some of those guys who got involved in the early two thousands are like, wait, 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 no, 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 we want to actually be good. We were just taking a break for a while. Let's be good again. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know they raised a bunch of money for NIL last week. Uh, I think they got to like a million bucks real quick. I mean, Cal's got boosters. They've got people who have a lot of money, and they came out in droves during the Tedford era. So if they can reactivate a lot of those people, then, you know, they're not going to be SMU. You know, it's not oil money, but um, they might be able to subsist for a while. Uh, but they got to get serious in a lot of ways if they're going to uh, remain a going concern in the ACC. And I think that the why didn't they add them? I think there was a lot of pushback from the presidents adding more teams. Didn't even want to do Oregon, Washington, I think. And it's sort of like Fox kind of pushed that through. Uh, there just wasn't going to be, I mean, it would be nice to add those for like the West Coast stuff, but I just don't think there was enough, even though it was cheap. Um, and I don't, I don't think Fox really wanted that one. They wanted Oregon, Washington more because it's just better games. Yeah. I think that's kind of why. Let's run through these. Okay. All right. Uh, text message from Dylan from Albuquerque. Can you please explain more in depth your decision placing Oregon State at number one over USC? Can you please nullify this? Is it strictly the comparison of both teams' results against San Jose State, where USC rotated like a preseason game? I'm not sure any team can keep up scoring with USC. And now that Grinch's defense shut down a Power 5 conference opponent, how does that change your opinion on this one versus two battle at the top of the rankings? Oregon State hasn't faced any better overall competition than USC, and their offense hasn't looked as good as USC's. Plus, USC is five in the eight people, and Oregon State is 16. Your ranking seems flawed. Thanks, Dylan. Uh, no, it does. It isn't flawed. It's perfect. It's a perfect <laughs> ranking system. Oregon State's the best team in not only the Pac-12, but the country. We're, we're a silly podcaster. We, yeah, that d- could change. D- don't worry. And I definitely don't agree with David on this one. So thank you, Dylan. Last one. 95 million reasons from Frank in Sacramento. Mel Tucker... Uh, wouldn't be getting tossed aside so quickly if he had won 11 games each year since Michigan State hired him. The real issue is that Michigan State threw 95 million bucks at him after one good season, and the team has been bad 
sense. Obviously, Frank. Obviously true. Yeah. Um. Uh. So first, he absolutely should be fired. He will be for fired. being just whatever about the details of the story. For being bone stupid, like just don't masturbate like, on a phone call with anybody. Especially like, they the person both that agree. Advocate. They both agree that he masturbated on the phone call. Right. Like however Rashomon you want to get about their versions of events, they both agree. Yeah. He masturbated on the phone call, and we talked about it on the phone call. Uh, you should be fired. Sorry. Don't masturbate on a phone call if you are making, I don't know, $8 million a year in a public-facing position. Don't like, do it. It's like $10 million. And you know who you don't masturbate on the phone with? Like the biggest advocate for you know, sexual harassment and sexual misconduct Just in college sports. Like bone th- stupid. The, the face of don't do this kind of crap is the person you do that like, crap to. That, that, Holy I, and shit. And I guess that's my dumb. point is the most generous way of looking at this involves you have to be fired because you are so stupid. Right. You are the dumbest person in the world. Like, do you remember this is before your time? Uh, Eddie Murphy. Uh, I think it was before the one before raw, I believe, but when albums were like a thing for, and he was talking about Sadat, who ended up shooting, I think it was Pope John yeah. Paul II or something. He's like, what's your rationale for shooting the Pope? Like, <laughs> I want to go to hell, but I don't want to wait in line. I want to take the hell express. I'm going to shoot the Pope. Like, so it's like, I, I really want to get fired from this nine. I want to sexual harass someone, but I want it to be really important. Like, who could I pick? Not oh. an admin assistant. No, no, no. No, no, no. That's... Someone that I've hired for sure that I've worked with, that's good. But maybe the biggest advocate on the planet for the you know sexual misconduct in the college space. Like that, let that person then that'll get some attention. My God, that won't fly under the radar. Disgusting. Uh, should be crap. fired. Uh, this is from Colt. Uh, last one. What does the Pac-12 brand do for Oregon State and Washington State? Ryan and Dave, thank you for insight- insightful comments on the best dying conference in the land. Woo. Let's say Oregon State and Wazoo win their court case and get the Pac-12 brand and units owed to the conference by the NCAA. What does that look like? What does that mean? Do they add schools, merge with Mountain West? Don't know what owing- what owning a bad brand does for them. Thanks, Colt. P.S. Dave, if the ESPD ever runs out of Santas, that's the El Segundo Police Department, you'd be a great replacement with your salt and pepper beard. I think it needs to be whiter, but yes, uh, thank you for the compliment. You're um, getting there. We don't know what it looks like yet. Uh, I think they would be well served to just kind of wait a year and see where things lie and collect a bunch of money while they wait. They can they can still be a conference. You get two years grace period, so you could survive with two. And like I mentioned, maybe a schedule deal with the Mountain West. But there are, I mean, it's not the brand so much as the the assets, like the, the this holding company, whatever it is, there's value in it. And if it's like $60 million in NCAA tournament assets, like that's, you know, two years of what Oregon and Washington are making in the Big Ten, you know? So you'd actually have more money uh, than those teams you know, for a little while, but to, to help kind of get you on your feet. So I think there's real value. If you walk away, that money apparently gets split up by everybody. So yeah. I feel like... They're going to do what they can to keep it, but there's a lot of legal mumbo-jumbo stuff going on, contracts, and uh, that's why they're trying to take some legal action here. So they can at least control it. They want to be able to control the action and not have everybody leave and go, yeah, let's just all split it up. And Washington State Oregon State are like, no, 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 we're you were left here. We're going to split it for ourselves. And right. I think Dave and I both, even coming from different political fiscal points of view, we both agree on that one. Absolutely. Nice. All right. Well, let's go wrap things up uh, for David. David Woods, who's got to run out of here. Uh, 
it, it's that Delta situation, that flight that mm-hmm. happened that they had to turn around. Is that why you have to run out of here so quickly? I or? have to pick up my daughter from school, but um, yes. Do I also need to take a big <laughs> diarrhea shit? Maybe. <laughs> Well, there you go. You went there. Uh, For David Woods, I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye.